I was tempted to judgment earlier this week when one of my friends sent me an article about all the statues that have been defaced or vandalized over the past couple of weeks as a result of the demonstrations that have been happening around our country. Even if it's not acceptable behavior, it would at least be comprehensible to think of statues of famous Confederates being defaced. But when statues of Gandhi, Winston Churchill, and even famous abolitionists like Matthias Baldwin and Abigail Adams are defaced, it reminds you that the mob isn't often a very reflective entity. I was tempted, as I heard about these things, to judge these people, especially when I heard that one of the places where statues was defaced was just up the road in Birmingham, where statues honoring those who fought in World War I and the Spanish-American War were covered with graffiti. And I mention those in particular because they were dedicated by the Greek-American community there. So do you understand the kind of experience I had this week? I'm sure you've had moments where you were tempted to judgment. I had a couple just yesterday. On my way into town, I was cut off by an aggressive, reckless driver. He must have been going 90 miles an hour on the interstate. Just last night, after dinner in Cloverdale, a young woman yelled from her Jeep to me, I'm a lesbian, pray for me. Temptation to judgment. I'm sure you've had these experiences. When a coworker or a classmate does something or says something that's foolish or offensive, or maybe even when you encounter someone who, for instance, is covered in tattoos and piercings, it's easy for us to jump to judgment. But the teaching of our faith is very, very clear about this. The only person you are permitted to judge is yourself. And in the epistle to the Romans, we heard St. Paul write, Glory, honor, and peace to all who work good. For the Jew, and for the Greek, for the man, for the woman, for the black, for the white, for everyone who does good. Glory and honor and peace. For God shows no favoritism. And I found a beautiful quotation on this line from Scripture, from St. John Climacus. And he writes, God belongs to all free beings. He is the life of all, faithful and unfaithful, just and unjust, pious and impious, passionate and dispassionate, monks and seculars, wise and simple, healthy and sick, young and old, just as the diffusion of light, the sight of the sun, and the changes in the weather are for all alike, for there is no favoritism with God. And so we're reminded today that God is the ultimate judge, and He will judge us by our deeds, by our actions, by what we do, whether we know the law or not. And so what does this mean for us? It means we have to be very careful with judgment. We have to be very 
very careful with judgment. So I want you to try to remember three things. First, remember that God is the ultimate judge, the only true judge. And yes, he's given us this faculty of judgment because, well, we're made in his image. And so if we're made in the image of the judge, we have this capacity for judgment. But let's apply it correctly to the right objects, to beliefs and behaviors, and not to our brothers and sisters specifically. Let's remember also his command to love everyone, even our enemies. When we feel compelled to judge someone, instead of doing that, what if we force ourselves to be their advocate? What if we remember our proper place in the spiritual courtroom, which is next to the accused, standing by the accused, not opposed to them? Not in the place of the judge, who is God, but next to them, as their brother and sister. And I'm not saying that people don't do wrong things and don't do bad things. That's not what I'm saying at all. But what if we sought to understand them? Of course, sometimes this is not possible. If they are accessible and reasonable, you can try to understand them. Ask them about why they did what they did. But if they are not accessible or not reasonable, then pray for them. And when I say accessible, I mean for a real conversation in real time, not on the internet. And then finally, let's remember how to judge ourselves well. If this is the only person we are permitted to judge, let's remember how we judge ourselves well, which is in community. There is a reason why in the Orthodox Church, we confess our sins in the presence of a priest. Well, there are many reasons. He's an instrument and a vehicle of grace in a real way. But another thing that happens when we do that is that this other person can help us judge ourselves well. If we are too hard or too easy on ourselves with regard to our sins, we might lose some, if not all, of the grace we might get from judging ourselves. So we have to be very, very careful with judgment, brothers and sisters. Elsewhere in the epistle to the Romans, St. Paul writes that the wages of sin is death. And uh, if that were the end of the story, that would not be good news for us because we're all sinners. All of us sin all the time. But there is good news. There's very, very good news. And you hear it at the very end of the reading we heard today. That God will judge us by Jesus Christ. He will judge us by Jesus Christ. Thank God. Thank God. Both for judgment and also that we are not going to be helpless without an advocate in Jesus Christ. So without judgment or law or the conscience, we would go straight from sin to death. There would be nothing in between. But thank God that he's given us the blessing of judgment. Because just as the word responsibility refers to our ability to pause, reflect, and decide how we are going to respond to a stimulus, so the fact that we have a conscience 
that there is law and that there is judgment, like responsibility, they stand between sin and death for us. So thank God for the mercy of judgment, which literally stands as Jesus himself will stand for us between sin and death. If we call out to him, our only hope of righteousness, if we call out to him in faith for the salvation that only he can give. Amen.